You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, I've got to warn you, uh, first service, I only got half my sermon done. Don't worry, you're not getting half a sermon. You're, only get, you're just getting half of what I prepared. Um, when I'm not in the pulpit, I kind of back up a little bit, you know, so... Um, we're going to be talking about main things. That's a series that we're on right now. We're unpacking the Meadowbrook mandate. This book is for you. It's free. It's available. There's no strings attached. This is our mandate that I feel like what the Lord has, uh, called us to do, uh, to focus in on. And we just want to make sure that everybody knows what it is that we're about. And so these are available. You can pick those up at guest services. And as I said, those are completely free. Uh, Pastor Mike last week told you I had some exciting announcement to make this week. Did he? Did... Okay, first of all, no, I'm not having another grandbaby yet. Because I've had dozens of people. Are you having another grandbaby? <laughs> not that I know of. Or that another one of my kids was getting married or anything. No, nothing like that. I, I won't go there yet. Uh, but I do have an announcement. I, made a couple of, uh, notes here so that I can make sure that I get all of this, uh, just right. How many of you know, first of all, that God wants us, uh, to go from glory to glory, yeah. you know, that I hate that there's religious things out there that, um, you know, that we're just suffering for Jesus and embrace every bad thing and all of that. And, and you only have to read the, just if you'll read the Proverbs and see what he's promising how he wants to help you and he said, keep my words and live and, and do this and, and this will go good for you and do this and you'll snare your soul. And the blessing of God, the protection of God will be on the house of the righteous. I mean, it's easy to see that God's intentions towards us are good. Amen. Y'all, his intentions towards us are good. They're good. And he wants you to grow and he also wants churches to grow. And he wants us to continue. And we're in a wonderful season. We are having some good growth surge throughout uh, the ministry. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. And we, we honor the Lord with that. You need to know this too. And I, and I say this only so you can have a little bit of perspective, okay? Um, there are about 1,800 mega churches in the United States. And we're one of them. And there's about 360,000 churches in the United States. And so actually our size puts us in the top one-tenth of one percent of churches in the whole country. And I think sometimes we, we forget about that. And there's reasons for that. And God's doing some wonderful things. And what we have to do, though, is maximize everything that he's wanting to do. So we're in a, we're in a window of opportunity here that, that I just want to make you aware of and tell you what we're, what we're going to do about this. Um, as some of you know, I'm in a master's program right now. And I was speaking with one of... Uh, the professors, and he's kind of a, a guru on this kind of thing. And in, quote, church world, there's a thing called the 80% rule. I'll explain it in a moment. And I asked, I asked him, I said, is that really a rule? And he said, no, it's a law. <laughs> and what the 80% rule is, is that in churches in the United States, when you reach about 80% of your capacity, as far as so forth, uh, you know, holding people, you are full. And that's not just your sanctuary. And if you look, look here and first service was the same way. 
And uh, this was daylight savings time too. How many of y'all did remember your little clock thing? How many of you actually belong in first service? And you, okay, good. I'm just glad you were persistent. Okay. Uh, but it's not just your sanctuary. You have to look at parking. I talk to people all the time in the community and they go, I'd love to come to your church, but y'all are full. And I hate that. I hate the perception that we're full, but here's the reality. We're full. So we need some of y'all to leave. No, 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 no. But you have to look at our children's areas and our nursery areas and our hallways and our traffic and all those things. And so we have to, and we've been violating it for a good while, the 80% rule or 80% law. So we've got to make a little more room for this. So what we're going to do, and let me give you a little bit of history. Those of you that have been with us for a while, our first sanctuary was here. And we seat about 1,000 people. And then we added on 110%. Now we seat about 2,200 people at, at a pop. And and we used to be in four services. When we were in that, that side, we were in four services. Did them all in the morning, plus the Sunday night, plus the Wednesday night. How did we do that? The grace of God, and I was much younger. <laughs> and then we were able to go to two services when we came here. And I've been believing God. I've been leaning into this. And we've been conservative for a while. And you know what? I am ready that we just lean forward into this. So what we're going to do, beginning... Uh, Easter weekend, everybody say Easter weekend, beginning Easter weekend, we are adding a Saturday night service, Saturday night service. Now that starts when now y'all are clapping and I do appreciate that really do, but all of you cannot go on Saturday night. Okay. We, you can't empty out the, the Sunday morning. Well, I talk to people all the time, people in the horse industry and restaurant industry and so forth. We can't come in the morning. We can't come in the morning, but they could come on a Sunday, Sunday night. So there's two things that we're looking at. Okay. First of all is to accommodate our growing family here. We have to accommodate here. The other thing is, listen, we have a mission to fulfill. Amen. I said, we have a mission to fulfill. And it's not just to accommodate, but it's also to expand. It's to expand. I have some pastor buddies that say, I never go to multiple services. I'll just build a new building. I hate building buildings. We'll have to build some buildings and do some other stuff. I'm wanting to do a fellowship hall and a youth center and some other stuff that we'll be doing later. And we're going to do it and we're going to pay cash for it, aren't we? We're going to do it. And we'll do that. We'll do that later. Okay. But you know what? We got a room. Let's use it and let's use it and let's use it and let's use it and fill it up because you know what? There's so many churches in town, but there's so many more people that if every church in town was filled to capacity, we would still be outnumbered by the people that are not going to church. And so it is important. We've got a job to do. You have friends, you have family, you have coworkers, you have neighbors that you can also reach out to just with the growth that's already happening in the church. And then, so we're wanting to expand so that Sunday morning, nine o'clock, 11 o'clock, Saturday night at six o'clock that, uh, we'll fill all those up too. Amen. Amen. Let's do it. We, uh, we will be promoting this heavy within the church, also in the community, because I want to signal. This is a signal I want to make. We're making room for you. We're making room for you. And I believe God's doing some good things here. And, and you've got folks connected to you that through invitational and relational evangelism, you can get them in here and, and receive this good news and grow. And we're going to be looking at some things on that this morning. Amen. All right. So that starts on Easter. All right. Good deal. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, let's pick up here. Uh, main things. 
You are to have, and this is the main thing. This is the main thing. Has anybody ever told you this is the main thing? I'm telling you, this is the main thing. I'll get to it in just a minute. It is said that absolutes are unbecoming in the mouth of a novice. I'm about to give you an absolute, and I'm also going to tell you I'm not a novice. On the authority of scripture, I want to tell you the main thing, and that is this, that you are to have one God. And you only worship him. Bottom line, one God, Jehovah God, one God, and you only worship him. Second main thing coming out of that is you've got to glorify him. It should, that's what your life should be about is glorifying him. Well, how do we do that? Well, Jesus set the example, John 17, four, he said, father, I brought you glory by completing the work that you gave me to do. And the work that the father gave him to do was essentially this son, go save the world. I love the world. Go save the world. And so Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Then Jesus told his followers and he told the father. He told the father, he said, father, you've sent me and I'm sending them. And he told his followers, he says, as the father sent me, I'm sending you. So his mission is our mission. Say that. His mission is our mission. His mission is our mission. To seek and save that which is lost. We've got to get out of the mindset that it's just about you getting all blessed and having your special three friends. You know, and there's so much more to this. We are to take up his banner. We are to fulfill the great commission and his mission is our mission. Can I get an amen out of that? And then as we start to dig a little deeper here, we see that for us, part of our mandate as a church and you as an individual... Is that every time we come together and in your daily life, the Lord is to be high and lifted up. I said the Lord is to be high and lifted up. That doesn't mean we got to go, you know, get all crazy. But you know what? There's some life in that. We get excited about all kinds of stuff. And I think we need to get excited about the, the one. And it's a mandate for us. When we come together, the Lord high. And lift it up. Well, how do you do that? What do you do? What does that look like? Well, a number of things. Centrality of Christ. The centrality of Christ. It's all about him. That everything would center around him and bringing him glory. Secondly would be the authority of scripture. The authority of scripture. Final word, right here. You want to know how to handle something? You want to know how to conduct yourself? You want to know how to plan? You want to know how to deal with your past, your present, your future? Right here. The word of God. So that you can have a biblical worldview. And I'm telling you what, this is written by the ancient of days. You say, well, that, you know, God's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Absolutely true. And I, I, amen that God is sovereign, but you also need to read his word and realize that what he has said, that he, the sovereign God has limited himself to his sovereign word. He said, here's what I'll do. Here's my will. Here's what I say. I can do anything, but I'm telling you what I'm going to do. And he's given us his sovereign word. And so we can bank on this. We can stand upon this, the authority of God's word. And then thirdly, how does that unfold for this? For us, it's this, is that we have exuberant worship. That we have exuberant worship. That we put something into this. That that we stir our hearts. That there's an energy that we release. There's an excitement that we have when we worship him because of who he is and because of what he's done. And because he's what he's what he's worthy of. You know, I, I told you uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, the Martians came, some kind of space alien came in and they're spying out to see what is this Meadowbrook church thing? 
you know, and they're kind of up in the rafters somewhere, just kind of watching. Then after service, you know, they're going to stay with us a couple weeks. And after service, they're going to go to the mothership and report. So what is this Meadowbrook Church thing? This is what needs to be said. Jesus, 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 Jesus. They talk about him. They gather in his name. They sing songs. They tell him they love him. They give in his name. They go in his name. They say they want to be like him. They give their life to him. They give their everything to him. They dedicate their children to him. I mean, it's just Jesus, 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 Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. It needs to be. Because his name is above every name that is named. And there's no name given under heaven that any of us can find any wholeness or salvation. Amen. All right. Now, let me move on here a little bit. And today... As we talk about the Meadowbrook mandate, it's the Lord, the church, the world, the poor. And today I want to talk a little bit about the church. Everybody say the church. And we need to look a little bit further and see that the church is not just a building. Okay. You're probably pretty accurate sometimes, as they say, sometimes in the South, the church house. Because that's kind of what this is, is our church house. Guess who the church is? You are the church. And we're going to look at this a little bit, a little bit further today as we go. Now, the church, the purpose of the church. And let me just stop and tell you about the church real quick. And I'm talking about we are the church. You are the church individually. First Corinthians 12. And we are also the church collectively. And then we're part of a local church. But guess what? There's other local churches right across the street from us. Berean Baptist. Same team. They may serve it up just a little bit different or whatever, but you know, they're, they're over there. Every time I pull out of the parking lot and I see them, I, I speak blessing over them. The same team, same team and local churches. And then you've got the universal church. And by that, I mean, all the believers in the world, all followers of Jesus and the greatest gathering that ever takes place happens on Sunday, all over the world, largest, bigger than NASCAR. Bigger than soccer in Europe. The body of Christ assembles together all over the world. Did you know there are churches of 30 and 40,000 in South America and other places in the world? They're popping up just all over the place. This big sleeping giant is waking up big time. That's why I don't want us to get sleepy on our little country road here. Y'all with me? But the church is God's plan A. The local church is God's plan A. The local church is the hope of the world. Hear me now. The local church is the greatest thing that's going on in this planet right now. There's programs, there's government, this and that, and there's think tanks and there's groups and there's cool things. There's even amusement parks. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing that's going on on this planet in the the earth today is the local church. It's God's program and God is up to something. And I'm glad to be a part of the church. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, the end of the church, the goal of the church is to bring him glory. Ephesians 3.21 says, unto you be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. But how does that happen? How do we bring him glory? And it's, and here's the means is that we would be the church, that we would do the church. And I want to talk to us about us collectively, Meadowbrook Church here this morning, just a little bit. The church is, and let's get this here. The church is the body. Everybody say body. The church is the body of Christ. 
Now, we understand that Jesus is resurrected and he's in heaven, but his body is now the church. The church is not a building. Y'all? was a little kid, my family, we were essentially heathen for a good while. We all got saved, thank God. Uh, but my mom would just kind of walk us out. I told you about it. She'd walk us out in the backyard. My brother and I, and she'd point to the steeple. And she'd go, go there. So my brother and I just walk off. We'd be late sometimes. We actually sometimes didn't go. Because she wasn't going to be there. She wasn't going to know, you know. But we'd wander off, you know. But we'd go to church. And when I left church, I just, I don't know, just nobody told me any different. I thought God lived there. And I was in trouble for sure. And when we left, he stayed there. It's kind of like shop owners used to sleep upstairs in their shop. God lives here. That's why the roof is so high. But I just thought it was a building. But you need to understand that the church is the body of Christ in the earth today. Let me give you some scripture in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. And he, God, put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave him, Jesus, to be, watch carefully, to be head over all things to the church, which is his, huh? Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In Colossians 1.18, it says, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, the body, the church, the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And what we need to do, church, is to think and live and function as a body. How many of you like it when your body gets along with itself? Something's wrong when you fight yourself. Get yourself in a headlock, you know, give yourself a wedgie, whatever. That's wrong. That's just wrong. But you don't fight yourself, you know, and, and if you get an itch in the middle of your back, an alarm system goes off. And you're, you're going to find some way. Won't you? Why? It's a body. It works together. Wouldn't it be wonderful we did that for each other? That we loved each other so much, so in tune with each other, that something as simple as an itch that I can't get to, I can get to it. Can I help you? And I'm not talking about start scratching each other or anything, but <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That you work together, that we love each other, we function as a body, but that we also function as his body. Now, church is pretty much an idea of intersection of God and people. And this is really where I want to zero in here this morning. Regarding people, because people are the church and people are the reason for the church. And the first thing that I want to look at is this, what I'm going to call people repair. People repair. Everybody say repair. Why do you have to repair something? It's broken. It's damaged. When I was a little kid, we'd have repairmen come to the house. I loved that. I loved when something was broken. The refrigerator guy come, the television guy come. Now, you don't fix anything, you throw it away and get a new one. It's all, it's all. You know, TV, there are no parts. It's just all there. You know, you got to get a new one. And, but back then, you know, they'd come and I'd follow the repairman around. He'd take off the back of the TV and I'd be there right there with him. Sometimes I go, kid, give me room, you know, whatever. But it needed repaired. It was damaged somehow. And this is what we need to understand. And I've, I've really come to know this. 
in about 30 years of ministry now is that much of what we do in ministry is people repair. Why? Because people are broken. Why? Because people are damaged. People are damaged. Now, part of it is just life. How many of you know just life will damage you? You know, this, this, and thank God he restores our soul. Thank God that he helps us and he carries us. Thank God for that. But I mean, just this past couple of weeks for my family, you know, it's just, it's just been hard. But see, if you'll understand, listen, if you'll understand that life is, and we've, we've taught this, life is a continuous cycle of crisis and process. Life is a continuous cycle of crisis and process. If you don't understand that, then you're going to view yourself as a victim. See, something else went wrong. See, something else went wrong. Hey, it's a sign of life. You're alive. But if you don't know that, you'll see yourself as a victim and things do come and they damage you. You know, you have a brand new car and take it out for a drive and rocks are going to hit it and, you know, bugs are going to hit it and somebody's going to open their door into it. I'm sitting in my car the other day and a guy pulled up next to me and, and, uh, I was checking my phone and I was doing something else and I'd gotten back in the car and he pulls up beside me and opens his door and his door is hitting my door and clanging and just, just right there. And I'm like, (laughs) and then he gets out of his car. And so his car goes, you know, I'm just thinking, dude, I won't go there now. But if it was you, I need to see you after service. (laughs) But life is crisis and process, and you've got to be aware of that. And further, you've got to know not only is it crisis, but then you have to process. And if you don't know how to process. And what we learn to do at church is to process these things. But here's the other part that's a little more dramatic for us, and that's this. When you go in wrong directions... And you make wrong decisions, you're going to incur damage. Let me just ask you, how many of you have gone in wrong directions or made wrong decisions and it's damaged you? Come on, come on. The rest of you, I assume, are too damaged to uh, (laughs) respond. It happens. And what we're trying to do here is to redirect that, but also also to help us see that, you know, we, we need help. And it damages us in our soul and in our finances and our relationships and our future and our name. I mean, people are carrying damage. And let's get out of the old school idea that you get yourself all happy faced to come to church. Because, you know, around here, this is what we say. I'm either up or I'm getting up. You don't have to pretend perfect. You don't have to pretend flawless. You don't. You just have to be real and come to a Savior who will help you. That's what a Savior does is save and repair. Amen. Last week we had to go to Tampa one day, preparation for uh, my father-in-law's funeral. And we had to get some things. And my son Gabriel, he needed a suit. And so we went down there. And plus, um, there's a really good hot dog shop I like down there too. Um. And we were coming back and actually Alicia was driving and we we're still cutting through Tampa and we'd stopped at a red light and there's this concrete uh, bench at a bus stop. You know what I'm talking about? And it had a advertisement on it. You know how they do. And it, and it was so-and-so attorneys at law. And then it had these words written across it. Injured, arrested, divorce, 
call us. And I looked at that, and for some reason, I was just kind of consciously aware I'm looking at this thing and injured, arrested, divorce, call us. And we drove away, and I just kept thinking about that, and I thought, you know what? Okay, you call. Okay, you, you call, and you win your case. Then what? You're damaged. Woohoo! Won your case. You were still injured. You were still arrested. Still had a divorce. You're hurt. You're damaged. You need repair. My daughters, and especially um, Greta, and she's outgrown this now, but um, we had American Girl dolls. How many of you know any any of y'all? And just awesome kind of thing. And then we'd taken a trip to New York. And then there on Fifth Avenue, we saw the American Girl store. It's like four or five stories. So like, let's go. So I was about the only guy there. Had somebody come up and ask me, are you the manager? I go, I'm a, I'm a dad. And an amazing place because I'm into my kids, you know, and, and an amazing place. And there's stuff galore, everything you could want any outfit you wanted for these little American girls. I mean, just all over the place. And people are dressed up to come to this place. And they and you can make reservations and have tea and crumpets with your doll. You can go watch a movie with your doll. I mean, it is big time stuff, you know. And it's, it's like, why didn't they have a G.I. Joe place like this when I was a kid, you know. But, uh, and there's a little beauty salon and you and your doll can go get your hair done. And then there's stuff galore and everybody's excited and happy and they're lined up all over the place. It's amazing. But then you get up to the fourth floor and guess what they have? A hospital. They've got American Girl Doll Hospital. Now stay with me on this. Because sometimes you're missing a part. And sometimes your hair gets nappy. Sometimes your skin turns green. Which is what happened to one of my daughter's girls. And they help you and they fix you up and you leave better off. And you know what? And I'm just this way. I'm sorry. I'm a pastor. But I left thinking, you know what? This whole American girl thing, it's really like a church. Because you got people coming to get new and they're excited and this and can't wait to get together. And they're celebrating. And you got others that are missing parts and they're nappy and turning green. But there's help. And I watched everybody leave there happy. The greatest adjective that could ever happen for when we come together is, I got helped. I got helped. Dear Abby said this. Y'all remember her from the paper. A church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. I'd go a little bit further. I'm not sure it's a hospital just for sinners. I think it's a hospital for all of us. But it's certainly not a museum for saints. But it is a place for people repair. And then real quickly, let me go on to one other part here. It's also a place for people prepare. I don't want our kids, I don't want this next generation to incur the damage that some of us incurred. But going in wrong directions... By making wrong decisions, 
I don't want them to go through. That's why we're putting a lot of emphasis and we need all of us, multi-generation, multicultural. We need all of us to be a part of helping this entire next generation emphasis that we're going through right now. We've upped our team. We're redoing rooms. We need your help just all the way around. We're having kids get saved every week. We're having people taught every week. They're learning things so that they'll know how to process. They'll know how to go in the right direction, know how to make right decisions. So church is a place to prepare so we can avoid damage. It's a place where we teach. It's a place where we train. It's a place where we warn. It's a place where we disciple. That's why we have disciple. It's a place where you can come and get edified. This should be the happiest place you come all week. I mean, you should come and, and, and this is your responsibility. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to give everything that I've got to make sure that happens. But you've got to be loving. You've got to be kind. You've got to be patient. You've got to have a smiley face. You've got to be sensitive to the people around you. You've got to be warm and welcoming. Because guess what? Some people are going to come in missing parts, nappy, and turning green. And you can think back and say, I remember when I was turning green. And you know what? An open wide, the arms of the body of Christ. Church is not just a hospital. Oh, let me read this passage to you. And part of this passage, I'm going to go ahead and forewarn you. Part of this passage, I wrestled a little bit with the Lord yesterday about, I don't want to read that part because it was kind of self-serving. And I honestly felt the Holy Spirit on the inside say, I not only want you to read that, I want you to read that part louder. So you'll know when we get to it. First Thessalonians five eleven through 18. And here's what's to be happening. This is part of the preparing. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peaceably with each other. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil. But always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. Who belong to Christ Jesus. And you know what? Where else are you going to hear that? Who else is going to tell you? you got to get to church so that you learn these things. So that we get prepared. Because the church is not just like a hospital. And forgive me for using this word even. But the church is also kind of like a factory. In that a factory has a product. The factory turns out something. The factory produces something. And this is what the church is to produce. Disciples. Disciples. Disciples are fully devoted, sold out followers of Jesus Christ. Not just on Saturday or or Sunday. As a matter of fact, one of the good purposes of a Saturday night service is to keep some of y'all out of some other places that you should not be going on Saturday night. Give me that sorry excuse. There's nowhere to go, so I ended up drunk. Buy some Play-Doh. I mean, come on. There's other options. Where was I? Oh, <clears throat> fully devoted. 
Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He saved me. I was lost. I was broken. I was missing parts. I was going nowhere, wrong direction, bad decisions. And he rescued me. And he rescued you. And we're not perfect, but he's so patient and he's so merciful and he's kind. And he still protects us and blocks things from us and guides us through. And we get messed up and go, all right, give him time. Give him time. Give him time. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And he's cheering us on. And we're going to make it. We're going to make it. It's not about perfection, but it is about possession that I belong to him and I'll serve him. And that's what we've got to have that we're fully devoted. This is the goal is that the church would make disciples that would make disciples that would make disciples. Are you getting it now? Let me just finish up with this. And all of those things will produce good things. I mean, as we grow in him, we're going to want to serve. We're going to want to be generous. We're going to want to go and to give and to help and to encourage and to pray and and do all those things. We'll want to do those things. And the goal of the church, part of it should be that we all become better Christians. But the end is not just to be a better Christian. By all means, do everything possible to become a better Christian. It's required. It's vital. It's necessary. Your spiritual progress should be evident, but it's a means to an end. And the end is this, is that we would truly be the body of Christ, that we would truly be the church that he wants us to be, and that his mission would be our mission. Let me read one quote to you, and then I'm going to finish this morning. And I'm not done, but I got to stop. This is found this quote by Erwin McManus. Some of you will be familiar with him. I I love his ministry. Listen carefully. He says, when we, when, when have we forgotten that the church doesn't exist for us? We are the church and we exist for the world. I want to say it again. When have we forgotten that the church doesn't exist for us? We are the church and we exist for the world. So if we're going to be the body of Christ, let's grow up in him. Let's be spirit born. Let's be spirit filled, but don't dare stop at being spirit filled. Be spirit led. Now you're making ground and be spirit formed so that we can truly be the body of Christ in the world. That his mission is our mission. And when have we forgotten that the church does not exist for us? We are the church and we exist for the world. I'll stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this?